car show. I'll tell you exactly where he is. Tell me, tell me, I want you to GPS him. <laughs> He's cavorting at the Charlotte Auto. He's Fair. doing what? Cavorting. Cavorting. Con, oh? Cavorting. 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 And that means? He's out having fun and who knows what else he's doing. I'm probably too young to know. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's there with the Hornet's Nest region, and uh, they're having a good time, and they've got a big show. But i got to believe that uh, probably their turnout is affected a little bit with the uh, weather that's been going on. But that's at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And it is a beautiful show. And on top of that, there's also custom cars there, too. I think either good guys or the street route associations got part of the event there. So that's uh, that's what our boys doing, and um, the Maxwell is still uh, coming along slowly but surely. So it runs, but it's not drivable yet. He's working on that. Have and you been over to see it? No, no, I'm afraid to, because <laughs> he'll try and sell it to me. Oh, <laughs> so. Wow. But uh, our guys, that you know, the group that we get together Tuesday nights have been helping him quite a bit. I uh, I worked this week, so I had a full week of work. Work? Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I don't know. I don't have to do that anymore. Being a retired is nice. Oh, what running the radio station? What's that? Oh, this is this is just part of my retirement plan. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> cool or be cool. Yeah. No. Anyway, we got a Jim. We got a great show on, and probably oh, I know, uh, probably one of the nicest, most important, I might add, um, people in the the classic car hobby, classic car industry. What what is the label for classic car? Or for well, antique cars. It's it's all that's that's all encompassing. I mean, to 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 be privileged enough to have. Fred Simeon takes some time because he's got so many things going on, and and the museum's got an activity every week, and he's got his foundation, and we're going to talk to him about that. And he's doing some special things to, you know, put back into the public in Philadelphia, and uh, he just uh, I, I can't say enough. You know, you know, we have attracted so many nice people. Bill Warner, Amelia Island, another one. I think is, I think it's my deodorant. Uh, they they like uh, and Steve Moskowitz. And the, Steve Moskowitz, yes. You know, from AACA and all. Uh, it's just it, it's it's a pleasure. You know, you and I certainly are. You know, individually, you can have your feelings. You can, you can, but I and I, and I won't divulge who at the moment, but. Um, I was talking to a gentleman the other day and said, hey, we've got uh, uh, Dr. Simeon coming on uh, on the show this week. And uh, he didn't have to say this or anything else, but he, he went into uh, uh, quite a few words of how much he appreciates what Fred does and, and working with him and yes. on and on and on. And, you know, both, both gentlemen I highly respect. Uh, they're just nice to to well, be yeah, with, and yeah. and uh, for somebody else to just off the cuff go into, I wouldn't say it was a rant by any means, but uh, <laughs> he he just you know how how much Fred does for the 
for the hobby. Well, but Bill does. Bill Steve Moskowitz, uh, and and of course he and. And then there's Ronaldo. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> look. <laughs> we can pick on him since he's no, not here. No, no, no. We're not going to pick on him. But it, I mean, it, it, he gets there and talks to Fred, and they talk American underslungs. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how many people that that'd be like talking Fairthorpe electrons with Bill <laughs> Warner? <laughs> Say <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just that, that type of thing, and and of course. Steve was on the board of AACA also, and uh, there's a lot of things going on in that club that help the whole hobby. And uh, Dr. Fred's the same way, and, and, and so's Bill. Bill does a lot of special effort. You ought, to, you ought to say Bill Warner, and he is Mr. Amelia Island. There you go. Yeah. 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 He yeah. had the funniest April Fool's thing. He fooled me till the end. And it was just, thank heavens, I haven't lost my eyesight. In the tiniest <laughs> print possible at the bottom, it said April Fool. <laughs> so he, he did a great job with that. Um, we should probably uh, think about what we're going to do for another show. After we, <laughs> we've worn those three guys out, we, we need to find another guest. Well, you know, the museum's... Are opening again uh, in the spring, and you know there's a lot of activities going on, a lot of Route 66 stuff going on this year. So you know, I, as always, want to encourage uh, everybody, anybody listening to this, and it doesn't matter whether you're listening to it live this morning or or uh, download it. And and as I mentioned to you, our uh, the podcast are reaching literally hundreds of thousands of people and and uh, it's uh very gratifying uh, it's uh, humbling that that many folks are uh, deciding to download the shows and and listen to them wherever they listen to them in their cars or on their way to a vacation or whatever they're doing but we do appreciate it but we want to also remind everybody that uh when they can uh talk up the museums if if somebody's going to Philadelphia, if somebody's going to well, wherever. It, yeah, and and that muse- the Simeon Museum, Foundation Museum, is right close to the airport. You, you could kind of change some time and, and, and schedule and, and take a few hours and go over, and uh, we'll go over the hours when Fred's on and the availability. And then Saturdays, some Saturdays, they run the cars. They get them out <laughs> out of the museum and out. exercise the car. Yes, and and how many uh, museums do that? I mean, it's it's not that many. So, well, we want to want to uh, thank them. We want to encourage people that uh, whether you know you don't have to have a classic car to join. Uh, but it's well worth it. Just the magazine itself is well worth joining AACA, Yes, in my opinion. By the way, I want to stop for one second and acknowledge um, our sponsors, Passport Transport. Uh, Ed Watts and, and his whole group have just been very supportive of our show, and we certainly appreciate Passport Transport, as well as... Uh, Bob and uh, J.C. Taylor Insurance. Oh, Bob Wallace, Bob yeah. Wallace, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's the best. You know, it's, you and I are sort of, uh, or I am, not you, but um, 
I don't want to say stuck. That might not be the best terminology, but I don't get to go out and see some of the folks that I'd love to go see. I'd love to pop in on Ed Watts or, or walk well, in. Well, or, ca- uh, or catch him at a show. Or catch him at a show. But unfortunately, I'm I'm not can't do that right now. But yeah. um, you know, they're they're just the nicest folks and want to acknowledge and thank them for for supporting America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. Uh, we do appreciate it. And, you know, it, it's... Hey, if you're going to have sponsors, yeah, it's good to have the, the best of the of whatever. Passport Transport is recognized as the best in, in transportation. And certainly J.C. Taylor is right up there in the insurance line. Yep. And so if you're going to have... Have good guys, you might as well have the best. Yeah. And speaking of good guys, do you think our our boy Steve's going to call in sometime this morning and say hello? I doubt it. Oh, okay. He hadn't figured out uh, that he can pick us up on his telephone. He hadn't figured <laughs> out he can pick us up on his laptop. Now, Brenda might call in, but, yeah, yeah. but I'm not sure uh, Steve will. Yeah. Um, but we do have a, a good show. Looking forward to talking to uh, uh, Dr. Simeon and... Uh, and and he doesn't like to be called that. I, I know. I, I should just I know. call him Fred. Yeah, um, he's just Fred. Just Fred. It's just like just Al. Well, little Al is Al Unser Junior. Yeah. Big Al is Al Unser Senior. And just Al is Al Unser Junior's son. Ah. And when he was hanging around the pits in the IRL series, when Al Unser Junior was driving. Penske guys wanted to nickname him, and he says, I'm just Al. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like just Jim? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Why is so, that you tell me that I'm supposed to call you Mr. Weber all the time? I, I don't know, but can you get a hold of the engineer? Because I lost my audio on my headset. Uh, you, 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 no, there was some, you, were, you were moving a, a lever over there a little while well, ago, that, and it went away. That shouldn't have... Um, yeah. Made any difference on, on your headset? No, I have nothing. Well, check the little I box did. there. I did. I did that. We'll pick up another headset. Well, I don't want another headset. <laughs> Lester's right. going to wonder. All right, I got one. I'm back now. You're back. Yeah, I, I, our Mr. listeners Weber. are going to wonder. Boy, I'm not taking any advice from those guys. <laughs> Did we ever say we were engineers? <laughs> no, I don't think. Oh so. man, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Steve. Steve. Steve knows what he's talking about when it comes to the technical aspects. So, on cars. On cars. Yeah. We'll we'll stop with cars. I don't want to um, get into what what he knows here. But well, well, well he's <laughs> he car knows, radios maybe. He knows to come in here. Yeah. Yeah. So. So if we get a show. call, we'll get a call. If not. Uh, well, that's all right. Well, we can cover. Um, you really, somehow we have to figure and get you to one of the AACA meets. Oh, I'd love to go, you know? Yeah. Uh, on a, what fun. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering, the problem is there, there's nothing here really in the southeast except Charlotte, and obviously you've missed that, and... Uh, Another fun one that's huge is Auburn, Indiana, which is a spring. But I mean, that's everything. That's the auction. But you could go see the ACD Museum. And, of course, we, we've talked to those folks. 
and there's the Transportation Museum up there, too, in Auburn, Indiana. So it's just a, a whole bunch of car activity. I can't even get to Auburn, Alabama, <laughs> much less Indiana, you know. Well, <laughs> hey, sometimes you make it to Texas. Well, that's... Uh, that's called business. Is always <laughs> that's called business. Yes, yeah. yes. There, there are times that one has to do what one has to do. But uh, anyway, one of these days, um, well, we'd just get you a self-driving car, and you just sit in the car. A and Tesla, a, yeah. A, a Tesla, yeah. Yeah, we'll get you two of those. <laughs> yeah, one for each foot, huh? I, I was coming up from Florida a couple weeks ago in South Georgia, and I noticed behind a Starbucks, there's. A Tesla charging station, and it huh. says Tesla. There's five of their yeah. superchargers on it. So that's uh, hey, it's it's one of the the ways ways of the future. That's it. That's so it. I would hope that uh, you know that that company survives. So I do want to talk about a couple of other things. Um, we're going to talk to Fred uh, shortly about the new team driving safety program but i still notice a lot of people when they're driving their car they're not driving their car they've got their head down a little bit and they're looking at their phone and they're either texting or they're reading their texts or their emails and uh gosh that's just so scary and i came up Interstate 75 through Atlanta before we had the the debacle with the uh, bridge collapse on 85. And it was busy, and here's a Honda Civic, and the driver's looking down, and you got four lanes of traffic at 70 miles an hour. And, boy, they're changing lanes and weaving. So, and then, you know, that poor truck, the poor church bus that... Uh, 13 people got killed in they think that he was texting too so please to our listeners your children grandchildren and even yourselves uh don't text just put the phone down or shut it off or go on handheld if you're expecting a call but you know just get it done and and end it and pay attention to your driving and with that um it right, well, sounds like we're going to have uh, Fred on very shortly. Did you get Fred? Yeah. All right. All right. And, uh, let's go to a break right quick. And, okay. Uh, we'll get a break behind us, and then we'll have uh, Fred Simeon on right after this. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. 
just talking to you about antique car insurance, I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on the Classic Car Show, and it is my pleasure and Jim's pleasure, all of our pleasures, to have uh, Mr. Fred Simeon on. And uh, Dr. Simeon, thank you for taking time out of your horrendously busy schedule. Uh, I know for a fact that you, you... you bring all of this on your own, so I have no sympathy for you. But you yeah. you are a legend in your own time, not only with your museum and foundation and just everything you do for the, the classic car hobby, antique car hobby. And yeah, it's, we want to thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, you have a new teen drive, driving safety program that you're launching, and I'd really like to visit with you about that and... You have a fundraiser on the 20th of May that I'd like to encourage our listeners to uh, get involved in. So tell us a little bit about your launch of the new program, if you would, please, Fred. Well, the program evolves uh, by the confluence of a few things that have happened uh, recently. First of all, as you may know, for the first time in the past um, several years for the first time in 2015 and 2016 the number of crashes in general and specifically with teenagers has gone up and of course along with that automobile crashes has come uh, fatalities the uh, there are several reasons for this which are postulated number one the simple one is that uh, there's more driving going on gas is cheaper uh, more miles have been driven but The one that we want to address is the fact that distracted driving has become a major factor in uh, a reasonable percentage of these cases. And the reason that that's an attractive thing for someone interested in driver safety is that that's something can actually be changed with with education. Uh, Kids don't simply don't understand that if they're going, say, 60 miles an hour and they take their eyes off the road for just a few seconds, they've traveled two or three football fields and and a lot of these uh, uh, crashes happen when kids are not just typically uh, aware of the dangers of taking their eye off the road or their mind off the road yep. so that's something that's uh, relatively new with the advent of these nomad devices that you can have in the car as well as other forms of distraction and it looks like something that could be taught if you have attentive students so that's number one. And then number two is the fact that in my particular state, Pennsylvania, there is absolutely no education, driver education, required for you to get your uh, license, for you to go to your exam. In other words, there's no formal in-school or other education required. You just show up, uh, take your little test, and you get a license. Whereas other states... Um, have required in-class training, and many of them have required behind-the-wheel training. So with those two factors, we thought we could make a change, and that's why we started the driver education program. We're going to do that for free 
for kids who uh, want to, and their parents who want to uh, drive, be safer drivers. That that's incredible, especially with the fact that you're including the parents. Um, <clears throat> for your fundraiser on the twentieth of May, you have a gentleman named Joel Feldman, who's the founder of. NDD, which is End Distracted Driving. Could you tell us about him and, and how he's involved in this? Well, um, because the easiest thing we could do in terms of the driver training program is to pass off information in the form of a classroom. Of course, the hardest thing to do, and we don't have a solution for this yet, is to put the kids behind the wheel and actually give them a driving experience. The intermediate thing that we want to do is to test them uh, for their driver ability and safety, which, which, which you can do with the simulator. We all agree that you can't teach someone to drive on a simulator, but you may teach them certain principles or at least evaluate them from the point of view of attentiveness, preparedness, and things like that. So the, the, but the, but the, the real answer to your question is dr- distracted driving is an important thing and it's something that we can do in the classroom. Joel is a wonderful lawyer, a highly respected lawyer here in Philadelphia, uh, and he, uh, and I hate even to talk about this, but his beautiful uh, daughter, oh my God, I have seen pictures of her, she was just a gorgeous kid, was a, was a pedestrian and she was just struck by a driver who admitted he was distracted at the time uh, she was struck by his car. Oh boy. And of course, Losing your daughter to me is just uh, an unconscionable thing that I couldn't even think of. And Joel had the idea that he has to do something to help this. So he voluntarily has traveled across the country lecturing thousands and thousands of kids about the subject of distraction and bringing this information to them through parent-teacher associations and through clubs and through school groups. Um, and his his basic idea is to pass out as much information as he can. You know, Fred, we I, we, I, talk, we agree with that. Fred, I, I just had a thought. As old as I am, when I took driver's education, which was mandatory in Texas to um, to get your driver's license um, back many 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 years ago, but. Um, this would put most kids into cardiac arrest, but I took driver's ed, and I took my driving test in a thing called a standard shift. And, you know, I'm, I was just sitting here wondering and, and, you know, using the clutch and all that, and, and I can get behind the wheel of anything, and, and I'm not intimidated by driving a, a standard shift, uh, three on the, on the tree or four on the floor, whatever we want. But, you know, and you're talking about distraction, if you're driving a standard shift car, you have to pay attention. And I'm just wondering if some of, of, of what we have missed, we, everything's automatic, uh, you've got your super stereo, yada-da-da-da, radios now, and you've got uh, your GPS built into the dashboard, and you've got everything else built have we made it where not only, and then you've got your telephones, which adds, and your texting and all this kind of stuff, but have we made it almost, have we almost shot ourselves in the foot with with all these new devices? All the technology. Well, yeah, I think, I think we have, 
I don't know to what extent that's the problem, but we, I think we have. Not only that, uh, we're not involved with the automobile. The teenagers, when you and I were teenagers, we were involved with our car. You could lift the hood. You could change the spark plug. You had a sense of how it works. Nowadays, you lift the hood of your car and you see a big piece of black plastic and you need a computer to figure out. You can't even find a dipstick or change a spark plug. So the kids do feel passive. The, the, word, the term I like to use is appliance. The automobile is becoming an appliance, which is to your point. It's a refrigerator, not something that you're, you're actively involved with. And to even add to your comment, um, how about driverless cars? I mean, we're looking in the future where you don't even have to do anything much but plug in where you want to go. So uh, I think, yes, the involvement, the personal involvement with the car has has changed a lot. And um, whether that that whether that means that we're not paying more attention to it or not is hard to say, but uh, intuitively I think it does. I just, I agree with you 100%, Fred, and I've run into it. In fact, before you came on the show, I was talking about a couple of experiences coming up from Florida in the last couple of weeks of distracted driving. And any time you see somebody and their head's down a little bit, you know they're not looking forward. They're looking at a cell phone or, or a screen. And uh, it, it's a shame. Um, David, uh, I'd like to hope, and, and Fred, with your blessing, maybe we could get Joel Feldman on our show sometime. Well, what, do you yes, to, yes. I'll, uh, next time I chat with him, I'll um, I'll uh, definitely see if he, because he's a wonderful speaker, and he has a lot of things to say. He has a lot of ideas that we don't ordinarily think of. For instance, he believes, and many of the people in the driver, the modern driver education field believe that Driver education really starts when the students uh, in your car as an eight or nine or ten year older, and he sees you, his mom or dad, on the cell phone. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And he believes that that's when driver education starts at that at that point in time. That, that's that's My, a, a valid point. I agree with you a hundred percent. It's don't, don't drive as I do. Drive as I say. <laughs> I, I heard that as a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, that's the whole thing. And what we're trying to do is uh, we're in a tough situation because there are apparently are not funds uh, in our state to make driver education uh, mandatory to some extent. But there are certain easy things that can be done in, in beginning, which are not, are not expensive, like increasing the time of learner's permit driver it's called the, the graduated driver licensing we could uh have significant penalties for um distracted driving in other words if you're if you're uh if you're seen distracted and you're, you're pulled over you certainly don't want that because they, your license may be taken away or you may be on some type of probation there's one um state, and I forget it was, I was just recently reading about it, one state that wants to give uh, a jail time. Wow. If you have a crash uh, and you were dry, and, and it was proven that you were distracted. Uh, all of these ways are ways to, to encourage, uh, in a public sense way, to encourage 
the idea that people have to pay attention. Uh, Dr. Fred, let me ask the distraction, be it a cell phone, be it an iPad, whatever it happens to be, you know, and, and I agree with the states that are looking at doing that in that really if you're playing with your iPhone, what's the difference in that and the person that's drunk? And, I, I, you know, obviously both are, are you're, you're not doing, you're, you're, you've got a torpedo in your hands waiting to blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you're driving well, and, and I, I really do think that that's I don't want to say criminal because that's a strong word, but it, but it is you're certainly breaking some kind of rule of safety or logic. And you know the other thing we have to think of is not just the safety of the driver, but the safety of the pedestrians, like Joel's uh, daughter. Yes, you know, oh, absolutely. It, it, it's a two-way street, yeah. um, uh, both from a pedestrian point of view and from and and even how many times have you seen this, David? You're driving along, and somebody crosses the street in front of you, looking at their phone. Oh, not only you know? that, and and before sun up or during the evening at dusk, they're wearing black, or they're wearing mm-hmm. dark clothing. And yeah, yeah. And, and you wonder, sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Fred, we're going to have to take a break. Can you stay with us? Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be back right after this. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, and we've got a very special guest on, Fred Simeon, uh, Simeon Foundation, Simeon Museum, and Mr. Antique Car. I would say. Well, we ought to just title him <laughs> Mr. Then, Car. Right? Mr. Car. <laughs> um, Fred, again, thank you for being on today. Yeah, can we? Uh, we'll come back to your uh, fundraiser shortly, but let, let's talk about some of the fun things like car detectives demo day. And then you were mentioning while we were off the air about the activities you have coming today. But I, I'm really uh, curious about car detectives demo day. Could you elaborate, please? Yeah. Well, here here's the way uh, these these demo days start. We have. 65 cars, and we can also bring in visitor cars anytime. The demo day is something on alternative Saturdays, starts at noon, and we'll use the cars for an educational purpose so that the, the people who love to see the cars moving, and that's the real feature, cars move on our little three-acre track in the back, but also they have to learn something. Otherwise, it's not a real museum if people aren't learning something. So we use the cars for a theme. And very briefly, with 
car detectives, people often ask the question, how did you find that car? And there are little stories that tell that that story. Uh, the one I'll give you very briefly is our Alfa Romeo uh, HC2900A, which is a wonderful, wonderful car and a very rare car. And then in 1970, I'm reading a Broden track from 1950. And it was just one line, but it said, this race in Argentina, um, a driver named Ernesto Tornquist was driving an HC2900A Alfa. Well, they only made a handful of those. They were very, very special. You know, the 2900 was the probably the most um, technically advanced pre-war sports car. So all I knew was where the race was and who drove it. And I called my friend in uh, Argentina and asked him, do you know this? He says, well, I know the name. He He's uh, kind of like a hermit. And, he, and I think he was a deep-sea driver, but he was kind of off on his own. And he had a place down there. Uh, and he said, I said, well, would you go visit him and find out what, what happened to his car? So he goes to visit him, and inside this ramshackle shed, one of those sheds uh, that with the you know the, the with the uh, tin roof, galvanized tin roof. Yes. In yeah. there is this car covered with pigeon droppings because the pigeons could fly in and out of the building easily. And there was the HC twenty nine hundred A, which, of course, I immediately went down there. We dug it out and took it home, and we kind of had to sneak it home because. At that time, the Argentina government was fussy about important objects leaving the country. Um, they were trying to preserve some of their antiquity, which was all leaving because of their financial troubles. So we dug this car out and restored it, and it's one of the stars of the collection. Beautiful. Um, so the detective story was taking an old uh, magazine, a 20-year-old magazine, and uh, digging out the car based on limited information. Uh, that's that, Fred, that's incredible. And I, I, I'm sure you have others. Um, I think the Cobra Daytona Coupe is probably another Detective Day uh, subject, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that that one was, that's a case of, of finding a car. If you, if you know our collection, and by the way, if I can plug our website, is that okay? Please, we, we want you to. Okay, it's a it's www.simeonmuseum s i m e o n e simeonmuseum dot o r g. If you plug that, you'll see it's definitely a theme. It's about racing sports cars, particular winning racing sports cars, most of which are European. But I'm saying I want to make this American collection. What what are the leading American racing sports cars that really made a difference? So. We have the GT40s, uh, Mark II and Mark IV. We have a Cunningham. We have a Stutz that actually raced at Le Mans. Um, and, um, you know, a DuPont and things like that. But a Cobra Daytona Coupe, my God, that was it. And we knew there was one missing. And uh, people used to know where it was because uh, it was put away in uh, 1970. Around 1970, it was put in, in, in a garage by a crazy lady, and uh, people tried to get including um, get at it, including um, Carol Shelby, and she wouldn't talk to anybody, including Carol Shelby. <laughs> so nobody got to see it, and they uh, just gave up. Then the 80s go by, and then the 90s are coming, and 
I'm starting to realize how important the Cobra Daytona Coupe was in American history. So we retraced that whole, all the steps, where it went from Phil Spector, the music impresario who had it. He gave it to his bodyguard, who gave it to his daughter, and she was the one who just locked it up mysteriously and wouldn't let anybody see this. Well, we got to her and smoothed her a little, and at the time... Um, you know, it's a question of luck, too. Uh, when somebody's ready to sell a car and you happen to be nearby, you, you're probably more lucky than anything. But a combination of detective work and luck allows to buy it. That's incredible. And and you, you have not restored it as much as you've kind of refurbished it, correct? Exactly, because it was put away in around two, uh, 1970. And we got it around 2000, 2001. And so uh, it was in dry storage in California the whole time. Yeah. And I, I would never, never restore it. It was a lot of controversy, but I would never restore it because the, the other ones exist, and they all look uh, like new cars or sometimes better than new cars. And I'd rather have this one, which actually was the first one made and the only one made entirely in the USA. I'd rather have it um, showing some of its battle scars and <laughs> some of its history. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, your book that, that you wrote uh, on the preservation of cars and the identity, is that still available in your museum shop? Yes, yeah, that's at the museum shop. It's called The Stewardship of Historically Important Automobiles, and it's about the philosophy of preservation talks about what if you are of the same mind how uh, cars are preserved and it gives analogies between automotive preservation and furniture preservation and other things showing that uh, maybe the goal shouldn't be to make your car perfect and win a prize maybe it should be to to uh, keep it as original as possible drive it not necessarily race it if it's really really an important car but look at it, look at the beauty of some of the original features rather than erase them. I, I, I agree 100%. And our listeners can go to your website, and uh, the Simeon Museum.org, and order the book that way. Is that how they get a copy? Yes, they can. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Because mine is right in an area of prominence in my library. Oh, great. Yeah, great. I, I enjoy you. it thoroughly. Um, he only has three books in his library, though. <laughs> I, I wish, my wife wishes there were three books. <laughs> I have a whole room full. Um, anything new? I know, I think you bought a 1908 Renault race car recently, or it was donated to the yep. museum? That was don- that was donated, yeah. They actually, it was in the same family since 1928. Wow, and and the son of the man who preserved it um, decided that uh, it should be in our museum because it is an important sports car. It was made for competition, uh, road racing, which is where really what we specialize in, more so than round and round racing. Mm-hmm. And we are de- de- delighted and proud and honored that uh, Mr. Kirk Gibson would. Uh, donate this car after owning it for since the 20s 
Wow. If you find anybody that has a 67 Austin Healey Mark III <laughs> that would like to donate it to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, we are well, open. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I'm a 104 plan. Uh, so, uh, you, you and I, uh, both of us. Uh, I'm a 104 fan, and we do have one of those in. Although I'll just mention something very quickly. Um, we had an AC show uh just AC cars, yes. which just mm-hmm. finished after three weeks. And some cars like that came to visit, and one of the cars that came to visit was a 100S, all original oh. 100S, and yeah. it, it broke my heart. It's such a wonderful car. So I'll either take a 104, which we do have on display and own, or any time a 100S, which is a fabulous car. Yeah, I'm with you, Fred. Fred, Fred, I'd like to segue back because this whole show was started to pique the interest of kids in in antique cars. When you do something like the gala that's coming up, or you do some of the other things, you know, and and we're we're touching on a, as you well know, as a physician, that that those teenage years from 12 to 18 or even 22. Um, you and I talking to them is not like one of their peers talking to them. So after you've done something from an educational standpoint, we all know in advertising that word of mouth is the best thing. Do you do you find that the kids talk about what you all have done and say, gee, you know, I'm going to get my driver's license or I'm going to do this, or I'm gonna, and I didn't know that if you do this, you'll get this results or or I didn't realize texting could be such a, a a challenging thing. Or what what kind of feedback do you get? And are they talking to each other? Well, you know, uh, I'd like to give you a nice stock answer and say, oh, they come and they're excited and it's wonderful. But sadly, that the hit rate we do try to do that. The hit rate on that is, is sadly is lower than we would like. I mean. Every once in a while, we get a motorhead kid. We've had now's the time of the year when we get calls saying, "Can we do an internship at your place?" But generally speaking, I don't know what's happened uh, with two kids, and I'll wax on this very briefly with two things. Number one, generally, our kids, particularly young American male, do they understand that competition is a good thing and part of their life, and that's the theme of the museum of competition we can talk about that if you want but the other thing is the automobile as a an object of joy not an appliance not a refrigerator but an object of joy and it's not an easy sell david you'd be surprised it's not I'm, i'll give you a very quick story I'm, I'm talking to this kid showing him an old car we're talking about shifting and he says well, well what's that i said well that's how you shift gears he says well what do you mean because he's only known automatic. And I said, well, you know, it, it, uh, your car shifts for you. This one, you you do it. He said, well, why do I need to do that? And I said, well, you know, it gives you control. And he looked at me with a strange look on his face. He says, do you want me to learn how to crank, too? <laughs> I tell you, on, on, on that note, we've got to take a break. Fred, can you stay with us? Sure. All righty, we'll Great. be back right after this. <laughs> Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have 
the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, and we've got... Uh, I guess we named him today, Mr. Yep. Mr. Classic Car or just Mr. Mr. Car? Car. No. Mr. Car, okay. <laughs> Fred Simeon, and um, Fred is the uh, proud owner of the Simeon Museum and the Simeon Foundation, and as I mentioned to Jim earlier, I'm, I'm not going to say who, but I, I, people talk about you, Fred, and I wish they talked about me like they talk about you. They always say such nice things about you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that uh, you mentioned when we were talking about the teen driving safety program was the uh, simulator. And would would you tell us about that, please, and, and what the simulator shows and, and what happens when one of these... Yeah, uh, there's two things to, to think about with the simulator. Is it a tool that can to help you learn how to drive a car, or is it a tool that can help you be assessed for your uh, for your uh, per internal characteristics like attention you have attention deficit you pay the road are you aggressive so let's talk about those the first one um, is, is highly controversial in the automotive wor uh, training world and as you can imagine there's a huge body of literature where in which uh, things like simulators are evaluated without consistent results um we, I think you and I would agree that you can't actually teach somebody to drive in a car like you can if he's behind the wheel. It's a different thing, and we accept that. But you can teach him or at least observe him with things like flashing when he changes his lane, uh, tailgating. And you can, in your computer, you can correlate the speed you're going with the distance to the car in front of you. Um, uh, attentiveness things like that so you can teach him some habits which may be and according to people who study this teaching them some habits is of some help uh, the second thing you can do uh, w which is a newer thing is called pre-assessment where they have a wonderful device now where the kid sits in the simulator and there's a eye tracking device and you can follow his eye movements while he's driving and you can see if when he's ready to make that left turn, is he looking straight ahead to see what's coming? Is he looking to the left to see what's there? And is he uh, is he looking at the stop signs? Is he watching both directions for traffic when he comes to an intersection? You can learn all that behavior and pre-assess the student. And you can teach him some things. Now, it's not like flying a 747 where 
those guys <laughs> have the majority of their training, I, I'm, I understand, in a simulator. But, but it will help. And uh, I don't want to go off and say, all you need to do is learn to drive in a simulator and you'll be helped, because they're, they're not that good. But we believe that they're, they help a little bit. And for that reason, we want to be able to offer them free for our local kids as part of the training program. Now, when they go into the training program, will they come to your museum and the simulator will be there, or will it travel around yeah. to the schools? No, the, the educational part where we sit and talk to them about distraction, where we have, a, we hired a chief, uh, we hired a, um, a, uh, an educator. He's a graduate of secondary education and also finished University of the Arts and Museum Studies. We hired this gentleman, Rick Adams, to go to schools and give the course in the school. And he gladly does that. And he has a great presentation where the kids uh, who watch it are actually distracted and uh, they don't know it and they're surprised to see that their brain can't do two things at once. So that's done in the schools. If we get the funding that we need, which is where we're having the gala on the 20th, uh, we'll then be able to buy uh, some some uh, simulators which record all of this and they when at the end they give a printout of the performance of the student and they'll be able to come here record it they'll be able to see a whole bunch of cars free and their parents while the kids are taking the test the parents will be getting a talk about their role in driver safety both for their kids and maybe for themselves so that's the long-term plan wow that's that's great. Now, have any of the automobile manufacturers bought into this plan with you? Uh, we we haven't we haven't approached them. We're we're quite frankly, and this is another subject, but we're um, kind of disappointed with how little the automobile manufacturers seem to be interested in their history. It's mm. very disappointing. You, you may have heard stories about this. We have uh, Alpha. We have uh, nine racing Alphas there from the twenties up, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get Alpha to uh, to uh, help us introduce their new wonderful new car, and uh, that doesn't seem to be something that interests them. It's similar with Ferrari, and of course with Ford, um, when they had the when we wanted to do something on the anniversary of their great victories at Le Mans. Um, uh, they said uh, that's nice. Uh, you're on your own. Wow. So we 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 we're a little disappointed in dealing with them, and and we don't uh, uh, quite yet until we have some real something really solid to sell them. Where it's embarrassing if they don't help us. We have had Triple A uh, uh, help us a bit, and uh, we've had Sunoco, who's. Uh, very much of a interested in racing, as you know. Right. They're, they're the racing fuel tent. Sunoco has helped us, but um, the manufacturers, um, I don't know. And I guess the manufacturers are not looking at it. We're a little bit narrow because we're looking at this particularly as a Pennsylvania program, uh, and of course the manufacturers would probably rather support a a global or an American program. You know, I, at this point, I'd like to reach out to people that are listening. That I, I would assume, knowing you as we do, Fred, that uh, if another state were in your situation, uh, like Pennsylvania, 
that if uh, another state were that way and someone had the interest that you do, that uh, they could give you a call and you could sort of point them in the right direction of what to do next. And we'll make sure, this. We'll sure, make this a national program. That. You know. Well, and and, when, uh, and the other part of that is we have taken advantage of that. Now let's take let's talk about Oregon. Oregon was in a similar situation, and they but they had a lot of drive and they had a compliant uh, state administration. And what they did was something very simple. They added a uh, a additional fee for your annual new renewal. You know, we all pay a fee to have our license renewed every year, and I think it was $5. And with that $5 added on to the annual renewal, they were able to fund the driver education program for their kids. That's, um, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, now, that, 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 uh, when, whenever you talk about in our state, and I hope nobody's listening, <laughs> but I don't mind if they are, in our state, if you talk about well, let's have a little bit of a gas tax, or let's—they—they they just don't want to have to be un, so unpopular as to add yet another tax. So things like that don't happen here. Um, Donations—they can uh, individuals. You're, if mm-hmm. if someone donated under this program, is it tax deductible? Of course, we're okay. a charity. We're a five hundred one c three charity, and it is deductible. Beautiful. You know, I, I, I'm just sitting here thinking we should shame the <laughs> the car manufacturer. You know, and they certainly don't mind taking our money, whether it's uh, buying a car or taking a car into the shop. And how important is it to teach kids and to do the right thing? And and I'm I'm appalled that that you've run into roadblocks with the uh, manufacturers. They they sure don't mind taking our money. Well, and, and uh, another thing, too, um, the publicly traded companies have a lot of dealerships in Pennsylvania, like AutoNation mm-hmm. and, and uh, Group One and Asbury. I would think that that would be something that uh, they might be interested in also. So I'm yeah, just I throwing that out. That their, 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 their attitude would be, because Ford does have a driver safety program, which they go around and give, um, they have a team, and the team has a car. They go around and give it. But in order to give the test, they need a certain amount of space, you know. Right. And it's, a, it's an end. So it's, we can't say that they're not doing anything. Uh, uh, the question is, uh, we have to prove, since this is a brand-new program, that we are a, a, valid, a valid way to help kids. Uh, we're, well, we're kind of young, and I can understand why they could say this is just another program. But the difference between this and the others is our end game, our end goal, besides teaching the kids and giving them skills, our end goal is when you're in Pennsylvania and you go to take your driver's test, you have to have some type of training. If you couldn't, you couldn't become a pilot unless you had a certain number of hours of instruction. Right. Of an airplane, of course. And right. we want that to be a prerequisite because we've interviewed, as part of our studies, we've interviewed driving inspectors. And they say, you know, some of these kids fail the, the parallel parking and some of them are afraid to take the test. But, but mainly they haven't been informed uh, prior to showing up uh, for, their, for their exam. That's what we want to change. That, that, that's... that's 
Excellent. And Fred, Fred, are there any statistics out comparing the comparing people in general that have had a driver's education class before they got their driver's license and kids that uh, and are people in general that have had no, uh, you know, and uh, is there any kind of comparison in their what they've done rec-wise or insurance-wise or anything like that? Well, yeah, and you'd be surprised. Uh, they're all over the place. Hmm. Um, they're they're all over the place. As a matter of fact, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, we did have driver education at one time, and then a study came out of the call. It's called the DeKalb study, and that was in, I think, in the seventies or eighties. And the DeKalb study showed that driver education didn't make any difference in terms of crashes and fatalities. So for whether we called it an excuse or a reason that was when uh, driver education uh, became non-mandatory in Pennsylvania now the other studies um, and, and it really depends on, on who you uh, read the, the, the study that I believe in is if a student comes to his examination or his even his driver education experience with the proper attitude and the attitude that he can be helped and if you're to learn, there there seems to be an improvement. Of course, you realize uh, that it takes years to determine this effect because you you uh, you need to study it, the two groups within without training for at least five years before there's enough they have enough miles to see if they're crash worthy or not. So uh, the studies are not strikingly different, but trend towards um, trend towards. Uh, when I when I read a properly done study, which the NHTSA National Highway Traffic Safety Association publishes, if you read the the really good studies they've done, it seems to make a difference. In some cases, it's very significant. Down Lake, say, from I'll give you some relative numbers; they're not exact. Down to sixty uh, percent uh, versus twenty percent will have a, a crash, not a fatality, but a crash within the first five years of their driving. Uh, you know, their numbers can drop dramatically. And others, it makes uh, a, a significant increase. Of course, um, any anything that helps uh, has got to work, and you can't get beyond the intuitive thing that, gee whiz, it's, it's got to help, and the kids thank you after the test. So it isn't a slam dunk, but... Uh, but the trend is definitely there. Fred, before May 20th, will you come back on the Classic Car Show and we'll talk about what people need to sure, do? Sure, oh, we, uh, yeah. I want to thank you for being on today. It's, it's, as always, a delight. And you offer and you give so much to the uh, hobby and the industry. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, Fred. Look forward to talking Thanks. to you again soon. Great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate okay. It.